And I'm Susie, and this is The Coaching Cast. We are the no-nonsense podcast, chatting about the things impacting you at work right now, helping you to survive and thrive in today's ever-changing workplace. We discuss different topics each episode, sharing our ideas, hints, and top tips from our experiences of working in the corporate world, running our own businesses, and also being qualified coaches. We also try to have a few laughs along the way too, because taking yourself too seriously is just boring. We hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, we are really excited to welcome back our first ever returning guest, People and Organisational Development Specialist, Helen Franklin from Free to Leave Consulting. Helen joined us in our first season and we're really excited to welcome her back for our sixth. So today we're going to be continuing conversations with Helen all about hybrid working and Helen's recent research findings on this very specific topic. So stay with us and enjoy. So before we welcome Helen to join us in today's episode, Susie, how has your last week been? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Well, I'd say I it's been a week of highs and then it probably concluded yesterday with, I'd say a week of low, like as a low, but that sounds a bit more kind of like serious to what actually went down on the eve of Halloween because it was Halloween yesterday. Yes, it was. Um, God, I feel like Halloween has been the most intense Halloween this year I've ever experienced. Oh, for sure. I mean, like I've been part of the pumpkin stacking tribe myself. I've got a nice like pumpkin, uh, like fireplace display. I mean, oh, check you out. I know, check me out. Stacey Solomon. Like instant mum over here, I wish. Um, The amount of pumpkins I've seen stacked outside people's houses in getting more and more elaborate in their displays. I mean, I'm all over it. I'm up for it. Like, this is amazing. I just don't have the time to do it. That's all. (laughs) Or actually the skill, I would say. I I haven't carved a pumpkin since I was a kid. I literally can't remember the last time. I I haven't. I think they're the most revolting things ever. I can't stand the smell of a pumpkin. I can't stand feel of it in your hands the stringiness (laughs) no I just I don't yeah no Halloween is not a thing for me it's not it's not a festival I enjoy it's weird anyway you continue so the highs and lows come then again you keep us in suspense with your storytelling Susan always what happened on the eve of Halloween well the um we'll start with what happened yesterday because it's the most recent thing so I frighten easily okay (laughs) So I also have a very active imagination. I always have as a child. And actually my son has a very active imagination and I think he gets that from me. Um, It's a skill, it's a strength. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I use it for creative thinking these days, yeah. Quite, yeah. Um, And basically I don't like watching scary things, okay? Like scary films, scary TV programs. As we know, I am a diehard Below Deck Real Housewives fan, okay? That is because that reality does not scare me often, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it is well, my opportunity to zone out. Well, it depends. There's some interesting but... faces that pop up on <laughs> Real Housewives series across the globe, I might add. Some of those are quite horrifying. Oh my God, next week I need to talk to you about BravoCon. Right, remind me, next week I have to talk to you about BravoCon. Like, BravoCon. I'll tell you about that next week. Right, we'll save it for next week because, you know, at some point Helen's supposed to be joining us on this podcast. Exactly. Okay, fine. Um, So I'm not really into like watching scary things. I don't like them, scary films, etc. But I was like, no, I'm going to have a growth mindset. I haven't watched anything scary for a while. So my husband was like, I'm going to watch... A scary film and I'd already been out trick-or-treating with my son we were back like he was in bed so it, I was like oh okay I'll watch something with you so he was like right I'll find a film so I was like okay fine so we watched this film called Creep okay it's on Netflix I don't like the sound of it already and it's like a docu-film right okay and it's about this guy who has it like he asks for people to go and like film him and basically it all gets a bit weird and a bit scary and a bit like yeah like horrible 
Anyway, I was like watching this, basically the majority of it with a cushion in front of my <laughs> face, okay? Because I'm really jumpy and I was like, this is like me trying to be like, let's, you know, do something, watch something I wouldn't normally watch. Anyway, I watched the film. I did watch the film, but there were moments in it where it did really scare me and I was a bit haunted by some of it. And I was like, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay, so that was fine. So it's not a long film. I think it's about an hour and 20. Like it's not a particularly long film. So we concluded it and then I was like, right, I'm going to go to bed. And my husband was like, yeah, so am I. So I went into the kitchen and then I was doing something and then I came into the lounge. Now, our lounge, just to set the scene, has stairs that go into the lounge. Um, so there's like two sides to it. So there's one side where the sofa's like up against it and then there's another side to it, which you go through um, to get to like another bit of like my hallway, essentially. So the stairs are in my lounge. Are you following? I think so. Yeah. So I walk back from the kitchen into the lounge and the lights are off in the lounge. Right. And I didn't think anything of it because my husband was like, well, I'm going up to like have a shower or whatever. And as I turned around to start to walk up the stairs, my husband is jumps out at me in the dark from behind the other side of the stairs. Right. Like, and we've just watched this scary film and I literally just screamed like this massive scream and then burst into tears. Oh no, you burst into tears. That is a, that is a severe reaction. <laughs> oh God, yeah, but to be honest, your husband, Steve, that is not okay. If Dom did that it's to funny. me, I'd be furious. <laughs> funny because I was so scared about this film right and so like I literally didn't know what to do so I just I like a blood curdling scream like, I probably nearly what like woke up Arthur because he was obviously asleep I was gonna say. the dog was like what the hell is going on but then because I was so like full of emotion I just burst into tears but then I was laughing at the same like I cannot believe really did that but tears were just pouring out <laughs> of my, my eyes Oh my goodness. Like, oh my god, like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't believe Steve did that to you. That is just cruel. That is so cruel. <laughs> I would have absolutely gone ballistic at Dom if he did that to me. It's bad enough when he does make me jump. I mean, to be fair, he makes me jump by walking into the room unexpectedly. So with the lights on, broad daylight, it doesn't take a lot to make me jump. But I mean, I would absolutely have gone ballistic at him. Oh my god! Oh my god! So don't get me wrong. I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like, but I was just so taken back and so in shock and so like I can't make sense of this. But I was laughing, crying, and like screaming at the same time. <laughs> like it was like a mixture of emotions. A whole spectrum. Just yeah. Right a whole spectrum. But then I was like, I can't go to sleep now, so I had to put the Real Housewives on to yeah. try and like <laughs> try and like calm down. I hate you. Just like yeah, <laughs> set yourself like, back down, numb me back down to just like yeah. not feeling, thinking anything. <laughs> oh my gosh! Aww. So anyway, so that's how my Halloween concluded last night. Oh, so that was God. like a bit scary. But my high of my week, which is just what I just share with, I've been nominated for an award. Oh my like, God! Yes, that is amazing. Yeah, so I couldn't believe it. So I got an email. Um, so I've been nominated for a Northern Power Woman Award, which Very exciting, in people. the Northwest is a quite a big deal. Um, as in terms of a community, in terms of an and kind of award. And I honestly, I think I cried when I read that email. That's well. <laughs> there's been a lot of crying going on this week. Um, so yeah, I can't believe it. So I've been nominated for a Future List Award. So like one to watch type thing so very yes we're very proud of you so uh, for Susie Sophie can't even get your name right brilliant we've been talking on this podcast friends for years (laughs) well done Sophie really proud of you (laughs) (laughs) no we're so I'm so chuffed for you it's amazing how exciting so we still are none the wiser about who nominated you no, I don't know who nominated me. Um, I, love the, I love the mystery of this. That's a true award nomination, that is. 
So it wasn't, yeah. unless it was, when did this nomination come in? It wasn't Steve trying to apologise for scaring <laughs> No, this was before he jumped out and scared the life out of me. Um, so, yeah, so I find out at the beginning of next year whether I've got on the shortlist, but I'm going to take a nomination. You know, there's a lot of CVs Definitely as well. Definitely take a nomination. Who run, I know, who run their own businesses like we do, and it's flipping hard work. It's it a is hard, hard work. old slog. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you uh, get anything, uh, any recognition, you've got to take it. For oh, sure. 100%. And I would actually argue that's true in any form of part of your true. life and wherever you work. Grab true. that recognition wherever it Absolutely. comes from. Absolutely. No, that be, is right. And, and be proud of it as well. But yeah. no, that is super exciting. Can't wait for next year. I know you and I have already been planning the awards party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting very excited. I mean, I've been thinking about my outfit and everything. Oh, God, um, no pressure. So, yeah, so yeah, no pressure. But no, well, if I don't get on the shortlist, we'll have to recreate it. We'll recreate it. We'll create Definitely. We're going to still have our own party. <laughs> Who cares? It's the nomination that counts. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's like an award in itself. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been my week. Highs and I'm just concluded on oh, that wow, slight. Feels so for you. Oh god, I feel like my heart's racing telling that story. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah, no. Um yeah, nothing I haven't had anything happening that that's that's as exhilarating as that, to be honest. I mean, oh. my my best friend Siobhan probably summed up Halloween for me when uh it was being discussed yesterday on my friendship group chat. Because I think a lot, a lot of my friends are mums, and and they've acknowledged that Halloween's just gone mental this year. So I don't, I don't really understand what that means for Christmas. Good God! But most of the, them have been embroiled in a week's long worth of Halloween oh, yeah. activities with their children. Um, and my friend Siobhan lives in Sydney at the moment, and she piped up and said, even people are asking me what I'm doing with my Halloween. But the fact is, she's like, you know, I'm 38. I don't have kids. I couldn't give a crap about Halloween. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's me. That's me too. Yeah, that's I'm right up there. As well as the fact that, as well as all of that, I hate being frightened. I hate all of that sort of stuff. As a kid, Halloween, I just found traumatizing. So um, yes, yeah, just not for me. No, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. So yes, Halloween, I pretty much hid in our house here in Cape Town because it's a big thing here in South Africa as well. I pretty much hid in the house and refused to be visible in any way so that no wandering child could knock on my door assuming that I might give him a treat that chocolate yeah. is mine that chocolate yeah. stays in the fridge for adults it's an adult <laughs> only so I'm not sharing that with anyone no way no oh. way no way so let's have a look where are we on time wise should we wrap this up and get Helen involved let's bring Helen in exciting times In today's episode, we are welcoming back a guest from our very first season of the coaching cast. We have Helen Franklin here with us, People and Organisational Development Specialist at Free to Lead Consulting. Helen has been instrumental over the last 22 years in positively shaping many organisational cultures, leading to industry-wide accolades and is a key player in supporting leaders and managers to thrive in their roles and careers through her passion and dedication to providing pragmatic training and personable coaching. We are super excited that Helen agreed to come back onto the coaching cast for a second time today to discuss hybrid working in 2022 and some recent research that Helen has co-commissioned on this topic. Helen, welcome back. Hi, Thank Helen. Hi there. Great to see you both again. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you. It's so nice to have you back. I can't believe you joined us in the first season and now we're in our sixth. <laughs> so I, I know. I was thinking it doesn't even feel like it was that long ago. So, um, yeah. So, it's, it's so great to have you back. So, when we talk about hybrid working as of in the here and now, so November 2022, what best describes many organizations' approaches? to this way of working well it's really interesting isn't it because I think anyone listening to this will have their own experience of it and recognize that the organizations they're in or they're working with have been going through a bit of a journey and I think that's true but when you look at what's happening today it's still not quite where I hope it might be in that there are still a lot of organizations that are taking a top-down approach so if you look at um, the Future Forum who are a consortium set up by Slack they are set up to help um, organisations to thrive in the new economy. 
and they do quarterly reports on their research. And the most recent one, just like a month ago, indicated that when executives were interviewed, 60% of them said that they are deciding workplace policy from the top without consultation to their employees. And interestingly, that same research shows that executives prefer to be in the office. So what's the likelihood that their approach to hybrid working is reflecting that, that there are kind of more likely to be suggestions that people will be in the office for a certain number of days a week, whether or not that suits the teams and the individuals. So actually, when you look at what's happening, it's probably still not the best approach that in most cases, what's been shown is the best way to design hybrid working so that it works for everybody, stakeholders, customers, consumers, team, manager, etc., is for the teams to do it themselves, interestingly. Wow, 60%. Is that right? In terms of, yeah. the, of the stat? Wow, that is a lot, lot higher than I would have anticipated. Yeah, me as well. I, I assumed that that would be the case in many ways, because from a lot of executives, they worked in a hybrid way before COVID, because many of them were not based full time at the office because of the demands of their role, and the requirement to you know, take on a various um, amount of tasks and responsibilities that either took them out of the work office or maybe different to that, they already had the privilege of being able to work remotely. So I'm not massively surprised that there is a drive top down to come back into the office for those individuals, because really for them, they wanted to return back to how it was working for them before and that that was normal. But what I wasn't anticipating necessarily was that so many of them were in that space of, okay, I'm making that decision, but I'm not doing it in an inclusive way. And that we're still in that space where it feels very dictatorial and not in, in that kind of collaborative, let's really look at this on the grounds of what everyone is looking for and is feeling and thinking after the last couple of years, because they've been so significant in how it's changed people's working arrangements. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? And um, so a colleague that I work with, Jerry McKenna, um, we were looking at this from the point of view of the organisations that we work with. And I think part of the issue, actually, is that people have been adapting to getting back into the workplace and particularly thinking about what they need to do for the, the consumers, the customers, the stakeholders. Of course, that's that's important. But sometimes at the cost of thinking about what's right for the organisation. I'm really hoping that people listening to this are saying, well, that's not true in my organisation. I'm hoping the tide might be turning, but our experience hasn't necessarily been that that's the case. There's a, there's a concern around it that people would like more support in understanding, well, how can we make this really work for as many people as possible? How can it be mutual so that it works for organisation, team and individuals? Because... Mm. From the research that you've been uh, collating and, and working through, has there been any sense of a theme as to what's driving that decision from the, the executives? I mean, I'm saying there's an assumption of, you know, wanting to return back to what they felt was the norm before. But is there anything else that's coming through that suggests as to what's driving those decisions in that majority group? There's a, a couple of things coming through. So one is the, the belief that people will be more productive if they are in you know, co-located. Um, and there's actually mixed results on that when you look at the research around it, because generally what's true is that if someone is productive, full stop, if they're productive in the office, they'll be productive at home. That's just the nature of the person. Um, so if they're not productive in the office, they're not going to be productive at home, generally. Uh, so it doesn't really make a lot of difference because people, are, they have the, if they have the right skill set and the right drive, they're going to manage to be productive. So that's perhaps not necessarily a, a good reason. Um, in some cases, it may be true, depending on the type of work that people are doing. But that's the point. It depends. It really depends on understanding what is it your team is set up to do and what is the best way to do that to deliver what's needed. And, it, and, and when you think about that, there's some work that's much, much better done at home and as or, or remotely, at least in, in focused way, and some that's done by collaborating and being with people together. Um, so that's one of them. Um, I'm wondering also if it's actually about trust. So there's been a lot of research about trust and what it takes to build trust. And I think even now, initially, when we first had remote working and people were going into lockdown, um, that was a big issue, the concern of, well, if I can't see people, do I know that they're actually working? And of course, for people who've never worked at home before, they had to adjust and be self-directed and understand what that meant. 
but you would hope two and a half years on that that has moved on and yet you still see quite a lot of articles around well are people trusted do we need to see them to make sure the work gets done which is interesting yeah and it feels like yeah it still feels like such a an assumed belief around productivity and if I can't see them I don't know what they're doing when when you think about the fact that there aren't there isn't a lot of data as you point out that suggests that people are not productive at home and actually over the last couple of years I've not seen anything in any data or insights or articles that have suggested that businesses have failed during the last couple of years because their teams were working at home if anything yeah. it's the complete opposite I'm not suggesting that they excelled above and beyond either but actually they maintained performance and results and surely that's good enough and not to mention there's so many industries and organizations within industries where actually they are fully remote and have always been remote and are highly successful so yeah. it's it, it definitely feels like an old assumption and belief that's not really grounded in a lot of fact it's just that feeling that sense isn't it and then yeah. that, that then that feels like it can come down to us as individuals and about how we perceive others and that whole trust trust piece yeah definitely so no it's really interesting so what do you need to do as a as a business as a an exec group to design your approach to hybrid working so I I think there are obviously some things to be thinking about in terms of the why. So always start with the why. I think it's Simon Sinek. Everyone's probably seen that um, video from Simon Sinek about start with why. But it's important to understand why are we even looking at this? And as a result of that, thinking about perhaps some principles around hybrid working. What what does it need to be able to enable us to do? Um, and I think if, if at the exec level they can think about the why and for example some organizations that Jerry and I work with are looking at how does it link to our values if we've got really strong organizational values or principles that tells us about the culture we have it tells us about our outward facing brand to customers and consumers for example and really our hybrid working should align with that and enable that as well and that can sometimes help um, so it starts there then then there's really it is about trust actually because because research shows that if you do it team by team you're going to get better outcomes not only for the organization but for individuals then trust your teams to design the way that hybrid working will work for them um and yes you can give them some guidance give them some things to think about to make sure that's going to be effective um, but it's really about having some really good conversations thinking about what outcomes you need to meet for the organization for the team for individuals and then also melding that or almost having a Venn diagram or looking where the intercept is for individuals so they have the best productivity because they know themselves, they know how they best work and can meet their well-being needs and their work-life balance needs. And there might be a bit of compromise on both sides, but that generally there's a sweet spot team by team to do that. That's really interesting. So you're, you're suggesting you do that team by team. What? what potential challenges can there be in doing it in that way when you when you're doing it team by team yeah you have to think about the interfaces you have to yeah. think about you know mm. all teams roll up into bigger teams and so on so it's a question of being very aware of the system that you're part of and thinking yeah. about you know who do who are we dependent on and who is dependent on us and so that you know if you've got certain things that need to be done when people are together you can't completely design what you want to do in isolation without thinking about other people that you're interacting with but that's certainly the starting point and then it's about thinking perhaps rolling up through departments to take a look at it overall to see if there's any matches mismatches and so on yeah okay who would manage that process out of interest would that be like the leader of the team initiating that and then and then taking that and rolling that up to the next kind of team in the hierarchy so you to speak I hate that word hierarchy but <laughs> for the purpose of this conversation we'll use it because <laughs> I can't think of another one um so yeah would, would that be the the kind of leader of that team initiating and managing that process I think it varies by organization but um ideally you'd want someone to take some responsibility but then interact with other people to make sure it's going to come together I mean in some organizations HR business partners are, are partnering with parts of the organization to do this okay. and having that connect connectivity back into what is our overall policy around this 
Um, and I, of course, again, there might be a framework, there might be certain restrictions depending on the type of business you're in, that not everybody can work from home or not everybody can have complete flexibility on their hours and so on. So all of those things have to be the framework within which you're trying to create a bit of freedom. Mm. Yeah, because I think it's so important to have that interaction and that sharing I suppose the transparency is the word I was looking for between all of the teams to ensure that actually it is being done in a very open honest way it is being collaborative because as you point out especially in larger organizations all of the teams they it's so important that they're encouraged to not operate in silo for the most effective working environment and to get the most um effective efficiently achieved results so actually that's so important to ensure that actually everyone is making those connections the links and ensuring actually this does work together as an an, as an approach as well as I'm sure fairness too which is where I think that part around and it's interesting if there are organizations that are very much getting their HR business partners involved in it because I do think that's quite key um to really understand actually is there a consistent policy we can create to help structure this to help guide it to ensure we have got that fairness element uh which i mean it is challenging when you've got an organization that has so many different parts to it and potentially different formats um of working you know susie and i've worked in organizations that have got you know a big manufacturing section um you know with a factory and things like that well that's a very different environment and a different expectation than an office um so you know, that interaction then becomes even more important because you've just got to try and make it work for everybody, which isn't always possible, is it? I suppose, is that the question? Is this possible for everybody? <laughs> well, I mean, no, like you say, for <laughs> the environment, you need to be there, don't you? And I, yeah. But I think that, that's where that transparency is absolutely key, being really clear on what's possible and what's not possible and being honest about that and mm-hmm. not trying to it. People respect much more when they're told straight how things are. And oh, I think totally. Organizations aren't great at doing that sometimes. Yeah, no, God, I, I definitely think that's my experience. I think, you know, actually, everyone has the ability to understand the practicality of the situation if you allow them to and keep it really open and honest and transparent and try not to pretend otherwise or dumb it down too much I think Mm -hmm. actually often it's just about sharing this is what we're looking at and this is what we're we're hoping to do and this is what can be we think can be achieved and in some realms that's just not going to work um so on this point about how to actually make this possible around hybrid working in a way that is effective for everyone within that organization and to fill that inclusion how do you need to be as a manager when approaching this to get it right in terms of your mindset skills etc yeah I mean there are a couple of key things really so one is um what I'd call a growth mindset so you know mine is his favorite yeah (laughs) one of my heroines and you know he talks about the power of yet and I think that's really important that we're thinking that things are not going to work straight away and I think that's one of the most important principles in a way about hybrid working is not fixed it's going to move because your organization moves your team changes people come people go you need to be thinking about here's the way we're going to do this for now um, and it may not work perfectly yet but we will keep reviewing it and we'll have make sure we have the right kind of periods of reviewing it and we'll be curious and we'll listen so that growth mindset approach from a manager working with their teams and encouraging them to say when things are working and when they're not. Um, you know, not every day, but having a frequent kind of mm. check-in to make sure that it's still doing the right things is important. So that's one of them. I think that the second one, if we're going to call it mindset, would be change, a change mindset. So um, this has been one of the biggest changes for workforces that we've ever had in the last couple of years. And people are, even now, some people are only just going back into offices. So for some people, it's been happening for a while. For some, it's actually now coming back into the offices again and re- managers recognizing that for individuals that's a big change and they've got used to working in a certain way in a home environment and now that there's the commute there's the noise suddenly everything feels so much more noisy in an office compared to when you're at home yes. there's the fact that you are going to get interrupted you weren't yeah. used to perhaps being interrupted and it's helping people understand that that's okay it's normal to be adjusting a bit like you know your children going back to school after the summer holiday it's that feeling of oh this feels strange so I think um 
managers recognizing that again listening to their staff and helping them to recognize it's, it's a transition again and getting back into it again is is important too and then a final one which i've touched on already is just recognizing that um it, you need to test and learn so i think that ability to try something change improve keep moving on is going to be a really important thing for managers to be thinking about as well those are the kind of key three things i would say mm. yeah because i I always think my experience with change in corporates is the ability for those in who are leading it to have the nerve to just see how it goes. I've worked for organizations in the past where they had such big intention for the change that they'd implemented that if it didn't deliver it almost immediately, they were off changing it again. And, and I think with all of this and I think it's true of any change you have you have to get the balance right between letting it run its course and um having the opportunity to deliver um something different hopefully something better and obviously knowing at the same time when it really isn't working and it's time to do something different and I do get that that's a bit of a fine line but I do I often my experience has been just people just not having the nerve like being a bit I suppose too focused on that control element to just not let it see how it goes and even the word hybrid for me suggests movement and change and flexibility and you know things coming together to try and work so I think as the last couple of years has demonstrated everybody's been capable of changing it this way that way doing different things adapting um and I think we've done it pretty well actually so I, yeah. I, do, I do think that test and learn piece is really key it's just the timing around it that's so important as well great point yeah hold fast hold fast yeah exactly yeah fast. <laughs> I think For that's sure. you know a consequence of a lot of things in our society in our lives and actually in our, some of our cultural norms like we we move things through things very fast like we work very fast like our lives are always like jam-packed full of lots of different things even like you know I've got a young child like even at school and like nurseries like they move through things very fast in my opinion <laughs> you know there's always lots of activities there's lots of things on offer which is brilliant like the intent behind it is good but you know I think yeah that then kind of creates this frequency of of kind of you're always kind of going through things at quite a fast pace and I think that can be translated and you know into the working environment as well um I suppose I was just thinking when we were talking there like there are so many benefits of hybrid working for so many people but actually when you if you get it wrong like Helen what can be some of the impacts when you perhaps get your approach slightly wrong yeah, there are quite a few, actually, and there probably won't be any surprises for people who are probably seeing some of this. So um, the recent research shows that in the UK, I think it's something like 61 percent of people are working in a hybrid way, but over 70 percent want to. You know, So it's, it's, it's not going away, this idea of flexibility. So if you're not able to do that, if you're being told you have to come into the office three days a week, and these are the three days you're going to be in, by the way, whether or not it suits you with your caring needs or whatever else is going on you potentially are going to walk, you're potentially going to go somewhere else where it has a much better approach to giving you what you need. And, and we're seeing a bit of that. So retention is pretty important around hybrid working. People are much clearer now about what they expect from their working environment. And again, I appreciate it has, you know, it's a, it's a mutuality thing here that the organisation needs to get what it needs in the individual as much as possible. But as we know, with the kind of the war for talent right now, people are, are moving where they think they can get what they need. So there's retention is a big piece of it. I think also thinking about the team itself and its performance, if you don't have an approach which is going to make sure that your team are connecting in the right way at the right times, you lose a sense of belonging. Um, a connection is linked quite strongly to losing psychological safety. We know from research that psychological, psychological safety impacts um, some real outcomes around health and safety, people not speaking up when they need to, or in um, clinical environments, there's uh, medical risks where people are afraid to speak up when they should do. So there are a whole host of different things that can be impacted by just not having people able to work in the best way, because you've got, you turn up at the office 
Um, when either let's, let's imagine everyone's there on the same day, but there's not enough room to actually meet and do things as you want to. It's not organized. Or you can turn up whenever you like and you turn up and there's nobody in and you might as well be at home. You know, you're just not able to do the work that you want to do. So it does have those knock on effects. And it's, it's interesting around that psychological safety piece, because I think that's, you know, as, as soon as people don't feel that their needs are being met, you know, that they're not able to share them, that they're not, no one's interested in them, let alone they feel comfortable enough to, to even mm. talk about them. I think that then has a knock on effect on so many other areas in work, because actually people do no longer speak you mentioned health and safety and then I think well there's also the creativity piece so actually people stop being creative and they stop um you know sharing ideas and and it all just becomes so small and quite restricted and and you know suffocated uh, so yeah. I think you know that whole piece around hybrid working is just highlighting like potentially some bigger issues when it's not working and it still comes back to that actually having conversations inviting people to share what they're looking for what's important to them and and I think what you're saying Helen is is it's not about saying that there is a one size fits all for every organization when it comes to hybrid working and that every organization should be offering that people are able to work from home whenever they like that's not what we're saying we're saying actually that hybrid working is a term that can be interpreted by every organization for themselves as it as as it best suits so that they can still deliver what the business requires yeah it's just about yeah. working with the the those in the organization to be able to create that in a way that feels like it's taking into consideration what people are actually wanting and then translating in that into what's actually possible yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry to talk over you, Lisa. Yeah, and what, what you're making me think about is, you know, from a practical point of view, and this is often where managers think, well, how do I do it? Mm. Um, it's not as hard as it as you might think. It's about having a series of conversations. And there's a really nice four box grid. We all like a four box grid. <laughs> from, from we love a tool on the coaching love, love a template. Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> yeah, this is from Holt Corporate Education. So I, I want to give them the, the kudos for this. But basically, it's about having on one axis, you've got process on the other axis you've got place so when you're thinking about process it's like are we alone or are we together you know are we doing it singly or we're we doing it in collaboration when you think about place it's are we remote or are we in, on premise and it's that simple but what you do is then you think about you know for the reason this team is together what is it we're here to produce what is it we're here to do you know how do we know if we've been successful okay looking at these this four box grid let's talk about each of the elements and think about if you're in a big room together, get some post-its and just put them up there. What is the work that we need to do in each of those quadrants? And how does that mean then we need to be in the office or not in the office? And it, it, you know, it can be quite an interesting thing to do and have a conversation around. And it brings up differences and where you can have a conversation around, well, that isn't going to work here, but maybe we could do it here. So you're actually bringing everything out into the open, having a conversation. Everybody feels much happier that they've been heard and you've got an approach that you can take forward. Yeah, Absolutely. I do think that being heard piece is just so important because I think that's, I know that's true for me. It's not necessarily that what I want, um, what I want to say, I want to see put into action. I just want the opportunity to be able to have said it. Yeah. <laughs> and at least yeah. for it to have been considered, you know, uh, in some form for sure. Um, so we know there's been a couple of themes that have come out of your research focused back on that point around productivity, which we sort of started talking about, and, and also the importance of connection in hybrid working, which actually was a point that we did touch upon when, upon when you joined us in season one, because we talked about um, how can you manage performance remotely back in that very early stages when we were in the third lockdown in the UK when, during COVID. And we talked a bit about connection then. Um, but from your research around those points, what, what have been your kind of top lines or takeaway points? Yeah, so on the productivity one, and actually, to be fair, this is less about research, more about kind of lived experience with people doing this. Um, there's a recognition that for those people that used to work in an office all the time, and I know it's not everybody, but for those that did, 
they did all of their work in the office environment, whether that was focused work, trying to find some quiet corner somewhere to do your spreadsheet, whatever it was, or go in a meeting room on your own or a pod. Or it might have been having a meeting, collaborating with customers, or it might have been someone's birthday, we were gathering around having a bit of cake. All of that happened in the office. Then we went to remote working and people were having to do these things at home and they changed the way that they were working. And so they got very used to having focused time where they could get all of their work done. Um, and in some ways we were uh, in danger of missing out on the things that needed connection. That was harder for people. Now we're back in the office again, but in a hybrid way, productivity is going to feel different from when we were in there all the time. So the point of this is, if you're thinking you're going to get your quiet work done in the office, that's probably not the right expectation. You can do that when you're at home. So it's not the right um, guide mark, if you like, or the, the right checkbox to say, I didn't get my own work done when I was in the office. That's not actually what productive productivity needs when you're in the office. What it needs is for you to be building the relationships. What it needs is for you to be with your team, kind of generating that sense of belonging, getting an understanding. It's about onboarding people into the culture when they're new, you know, it's giving them a real taste of what the organization's about. So it's thinking differently about what I'm gonna get done when I'm in the office. It's gonna be more about oiling the wheels for relationships so that when you're back at home doing your concentrated work, you're more able to get that done more quickly with more trust and so on. So that's, that's the productivity piece. From a con connection point of view, um, there are a number of things that are really important. And I'm going to just go back to my crib sheet on this one because I want to make sure I remember them all. Um, so I think it's it's really important because uh, there's been some um, research that's shown that it, it influences employee experience and talent retention, first of all. If we don't feel connected, and of course, um, if we're actually not connecting with other people we're losing that sense of belonging we're not understanding quite so much why we're part of something important um, we're less likely to want to stay there but it also leads to reduced psychological safety um, reduced physical well-being um, we're not as able to be cognitively able for some reason it impacts that um, and social thriving as well these are all research points but what is interesting it doesn't necessarily mean we need to be in the office more because some research shows that hybrid workers are more connected than those that are fully in the office or fully at home, which I thought was really interesting. And maybe it's because they're being more deliberate about their connection, potentially. Um, so if you don't mind me carrying, carrying on, I mean, one thing that- Yeah, go for it. Team members here. Um, so if managers are role modeling the importance of connection, that helps. So if a line manager making sure that they are giving time to relationship building and team members are seeing that, that's one thing, but also encouraging team members to put time into it. So if you're having a one-to-one -one with your team member, it's not just about what results you're getting, it's did you build relationships this week? Did you spend mm. time? You know, make it something that's important for people. Um, I think it's also about making sure that you understand what people's connection needs are. And this is from research by BetterUp. They've got a whole study on this, which is really fascinating. Um, and basically what they say is there are three kind of categories of needs around connection for people. One is to be friends. So that's the deepest. And about 39% of people that they surveyed wanted that level. So that's kind of quite high, actually. Then the next level, 50% of people just want to be friendly. So friendly, you know, we want to be want to get on, but we don't have to know each other inside out. And then there are 11% of people that really prefer just to be strictly professional. So I think as a manager, it's thinking about that as well. You, you, you can't be all things to all people. It's recognising what type of connection works. Um, there's other things as well, but I'll stop there because I've given you quite a lot of uh, information. It's, it's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about connection being at different levels before. Yeah, I think I yeah I think I'd focused it so heavily on my interpretation of that and what I look for, and I probably sit in that friends and friendly uh, space probably more so in the friends actually because when I trust someone they immediately in my mind become a friend in lots of ways that's how I link the two together um but I hadn't really thought about it in terms of different levels but I think this still comes back to that real fundamental core point that we've made throughout this conversation and which Susie and I talk about all the time in a lot of our conversations when it comes to people which is never assume that everyone is the same and that you really do have to take the time to get to know everyone at an individual level and be curious about them as people to then be able to know how to get the best out of them and do the best for them because not every one approach is going to be suitable for everybody um and that can even come down to as you're pointing out Helen that even connection piece and what 
what people are wanting and looking for. Um, I do find that stat really interesting about the productivity piece when it comes to a combined approach of hybrid, not over fully at home and fully remote. And I, I probably would agree with you around, I think is about the intent. I also think as well, is it about where you yourself are continually having to consciously adjust to each environment and, you know, and flex even in each environment to be, you know, to deliver the best for yourself. You know, that is, it means I think that you're always having to be conscious because your routine is never, not, not never, but there is going to be variations in your routine on a, on a regular ongoing basis, which keeps you quite engaged, I think, and alert. You know, I know that's definitely true for me now because I work in all sorts of different places and I really enjoy it. Actually, it does keep me very on, I'd say, and but in an interested, engaged way. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. And actually, you're, you're touching on a key point here around the skill sets that individuals need to be able to work well in a hybrid way. So you know, the fact that you are adapting to different environments, mm. um, there's a sense of uh, an awareness of the self-awareness about you know, where do I perform best how do I feel today? Checking in with yourself, but also situational awareness has come up as being quite important. So I think when people are not in the office, office all the time, and this is true for managers or team members, you're not as aware of what's going on for people or what's going on around particular pieces of work. And there has to be more intentionality about being you know, having that kind of radar going about what's going on and what's happening for that person or this person yeah. so that you're able to then kind of be um you know, act in an appropriate way, behave in an appropriate way. There's a number of other things that are really important for people when they're working in a hybrid way. So self-directedness is one, and we, we all know about that. You know, if you're at home and you're having a day when you've got all sorts going on, you have to find the focus, you have to motivate yourself, you know, and I'm sure lots of people have learned that over periods um, of lockdown and so on, um, but also self-advocacy. So this is something that generally, you know, we all do one-to-one coaching that comes mm. up quite a People don't like to push themselves forward, but you're not as visible as you were if you're not in the office all the time. So it's okay to to state what your needs are. It's okay to say, I'm interested in that promotion. Can I talk about it? Mm. Uh, And not assume that people are just going to realize that because they don't see you all the time. And unfortunately, sometimes out of sight, out of mind. So you have to be aware of that. Yeah, Yeah. gosh. Yeah, we have talked about that. Yeah, we did a whole episode, I think last season, oh, the season before on proximity bias. And I think that definitely came into play uh, in my experience of, of um, hybrid working pre-pandemic actually like that's definitely something to be aware of I think just going back to something you said there as, as well about that kind of self-discipline and, and and the hybrid working side of things like even just taking it so for example you know I work from home 100% of the time I don't have an office space Uh, and unfortunately there's like not really many co-working facilities around where I am either you know and I work for myself and I know a lot of our CBBs do as well but even just things like I find so I have an office which I'm in now um where I do the bulk of my like what I would call like my operational work so like running my business do my emails do my accounting planning for the sessions etc but when I'm delivering with client, working with clients, especially if that's on Zoom, I cannot do it in this space. I actually go into my kitchen and I do my delivery in a different space in my house. I have the luxury to be able to do that. And I appreciate not everybody has like rooms that they can kind of navigate within. But there's something about that switch in location for me. Even taking that hybrid working to literally that kind of uh, minuscule level there in that example, that switch in location that does something to my mindset that makes me more productive because that space is what I associate with uh, providing a good quality experience for my customers and clients. And I don't do that in this space because this space I'm in now in my office is all about how I run my business, my operational day-to-day stuff and my planning. And it's weird, isn't it? How when you were just talking there, I was thinking, well, I just do that in a, on a mini scale in my own house but it has right. quite powerful um kind of impacts and consequences for me as a person definitely 
you're making such a great point and I've had the same experience um, this week because my dog had an operation um, about 10 days ago and I haven't felt that, that I could leave her very very much and she can't do stairs so I haven't had to work from my kitchen breakfast bar and it felt so strange honestly felt really strange and it was affecting my mindset quite a lot and it made me think about the research around this that you have to that this is why the self-awareness is so important mm. when you are working in a hybrid way you know yourself best yeah it's really worth checking in on that and as you said earlier Susie you know the fast pace of life we're always doing and getting on with stuff but actually we need that pause just to check in and think is this working well for me what's going on for me today you know how can I best set myself up to be able to do this in a good way so yeah yeah absolutely and even like I mean I can imagine you can take it to environment as well like as an example the days where it's really gray and rainy which quite often is here in the northwest I'll be honest (laughs) most days um there's something for me about I, I, you know, as a lot of people, I can find that quite depressing, quite dull, quite negative on my mindset. And I've got into a habit of lighting a candle when there's days like that, because for me, there's scent does something for me like uh, that really kind of motivates me. It helps me move my mindset into a more positive space. Um, and again, like, you know, it's about what works in your own kind of immediate environment that you can control as well, that will help you be the best that you can be and bringing that to work. I'm not suggesting you start lighting candles in your office, to be clear, but, you know, whatever it is that works best for you, just thinking a bit, again, but creatively, a bit out of, you know, out of the box there, bullshit bingo if it's used, um, around, you know, helping <laughs> you be the best that you can be. We'll swiftly move on. <laughs> <laughs> thinking outside of the box I love the fact you caught yourself on that one brilliant oh, now I'm thinking, what have I used today <laughs> no Helen you've been very good actually Helen I haven't heard a single one I've seen a one brilliant so to, yeah well so to bring this um really interesting conversation to a close um I'm sure you're familiar with our format now Helen we do tend to uh, collate our top tips normally in a top three format um, around the topic we've been discussing to help our listeners our CBBs to take forward some of the ideas from this and and put it into action for themselves so what would be your top three tips uh, for anyone who is really trying to navigate this hybrid working and and instill a a hybrid working arrangement successfully yeah um, and Gosh, that's hard to get it down to three, but I'll do my best. I, I think if you're you can a manager, have four. If you, I can oh, you, you can have four. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're a manager, the first thing is don't be afraid to tackle it. You know, I think I think there's a concern that oh, how am I going to meet all of my team's needs and still get the work done? And is it going to create work for me? Well, these assumptions are not necessarily the case. So I think it's have the confidence to have the conversation with your team and to talk about it. Um, and I guess another tip would be you've already got data that you can work from so you've been doing something for a while even if you haven't formalized it so why not just go back and think well what's worked for us in the last six months what hasn't worked so well for us a really simple type of review with your team um, and for individuals themselves and what's worked for me personally what hasn't worked for me and then you can that can give you quite a lot of data in itself so I think that's useful if you're an individual in a team and you're working in a hybrid way I think it's about just recognizing that there are some things that you can do to make it work better for you. And part of that is the importance of self-advocacy. So I think it is worth speaking up, even if you do have a way that's defined with your team. If it's not working for you, have a conversation with your manager. Be realistic that things may not be able to change exactly as you want. But I think it's important to know what ideally would work for you. Thinking about the work, thinking about how do, how can I be at my best? How can I be most productive? Um, a manager once said to me, you have the right to ask for what you need to be successful because the organisation wants you to succeed. So if you think working in a slightly different way is going to help that, then why not ask? Um, I think finally, uh, my I probably used this in the last one, but I think the key word for everybody is curiosity. So I think it's really important to to not just stand still, um, taking on your point, Lisa, that let's not change all the time, but let's make sure that we're being curious about why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we doing what we are doing? What will it take to meet the most needs in a mutual way? And then how do we need to be either manager or individuals to make that happen well? That's great. Thank you so much, Helen. I really appreciate that. They're such great tips uh, and really practical. So we will be sharing those at the end of the episode. But before I let you leave, we do need to uh, give you the opportunity to talk about your webinar 
that you have coming up, which I would love for us to share with our listeners, uh, for anyone who wants to hear more from you, um, just in general, obviously, but also <laughs> about this really interesting topic, which I think is so relevant to so many of us. So please do share some information with us about the webinar. Thank you. That's great. Well, hopefully by the time this podcast is being uh, launched, people will have seen it on LinkedIn. But um, so Jerry McKenna and I are running um, a half hour, 40 minute free webinar on 17th of November at 1pm UK time. Um, and it's going to be about making hybrid work. So we'll cover a lot of the things that we've talked about today, but with some visual aids and some some kind of practical tips as well about what people can do. And there'll be a chance for questions as well. Oh, brilliant. So for anyone who's interested um, in learning more on this subject and hear from both yourself and Jerry, how can they register for your webinar event? Yeah, so um, find me on LinkedIn, Helen yep. Franklin, and you will see posts. There'll be plenty of posts leading up <laughs> with, um, with the link that you can just click on the link and you'll be able to sign up. So that'll be brilliant. Great. That's I'm great. Fantastic. So webinar 17th of November, people go to Helen Franklin's LinkedIn page, connect with Helen and look out for details to be able to register for that. Um, completely free. So it sounds fantastic. So thank you so much again, Helen, for joining us. It's been thanks, lovely to have Helen. you back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming back and joining us for a, a second conversation. I hope there will be a third one at some point. Yeah. Wow. Season yeah. 12 or something. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> thanks Bye. again, Helen. <laughs> Thank Bye. you so much, Helen. Bye. We are coming to the end of today's episode where we have welcomed back people and organisational development specialist Helen Franklin to the coaching cast to talk to us about the evolution of hybrid working. Our tips and recommendations from today's discussion with Helen, given to us by Helen herself, are as follows. We've got some great ones for you. Number one, be curious. So Helen, Susie and I, we share the love <laughs> for this, this word, be curious. So this is in respect of really asking the question, why do we want hybrid working? Or why do we want to maintain hybrid working? What will it give us and how are we going to make that happen? And Helen's advice was to remain curious throughout this ongoing process because it is never fixed and it's always changing and evolving as we've all experienced over the last couple of years. So remain in that curious mindset. Number two is have a conversation be open, be inclusive. This is specifically in relation to you if you manage teams. So get your team involved and really explore what's working, what's not, to gather those ideas and to get everyone's perspective so people feel listened and heard and that you can actually get all of those ideas to make this even better for all of you. Helen mentioned that actually for many of us we've been working in this way in some form for a number of years so actually we've got data at our disposal so use that to review before you make any new decisions about how you want to move this forward what's been working really well what hasn't been working for you what can you learn from that to help shape what happens next and again stay in that test and learn space so that you just keep being open to what could be different, what could be better. And then finally, and I love this one from Helen, you have the right to ask for what you need to be successful. So don't be afraid to ask for what you're wanting. Ask the questions to explore what's in the realm of the possible and really take ownership. Put yourself in control of your performance and success. So we have developed some self-coaching questions to really help support you with implementing some of the learnings from this episode. And they are, number one, how is your way of working serving you and potentially your team as well if you do manage others? Number two, what could be better? Number three, how can you make this happen? And finally, number four, Whose support do you need to be able to do this? So really acknowledging that none of us really ever work truly in isolation or on our own and the decisions we make can impact others. And equally, we may require their support as well. So don't worry if you can't remember these. All of our tips and recommendations will be on our Instagram, Instagram page at The Coaching Cast this week. 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Helen and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourself. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we love hearing from you. You can contact us in three ways. You can email us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk, on Instagram at thecoachingcast. And finally, you can contact us through our website, thecoachingcast.co.uk. And remember, we also need to hear your bullshit bingos. So please keep them coming. Yes, please. So we know that there's no bullshit bingo in today's episode, but do not worry. There will be one back for you next week. But yes, please keep them coming so we can keep that going. Your support helps more than you know. So if you like what you've heard today and would like to help us to grow this podcast, please, 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 please do us a favor. Leave us a review on the Apple podcast app. You have no idea how important these are. Hit subscribe wherever you listen and give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. Don't forget, you can also watch these lovely mugs of ours and those of our guests uh, by going to our YouTube channel where we share the video recording of all these episodes. You will also find them on our website, thecoachingcast.co.uk. Susie and I both love music and we use it to motivate and energize us. So we like to finish each and every single one of these episodes of The Coaching Cast with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next meeting. It's my choice this week and I have gone proper 90s old school I've gone with intergalactic by the beastie boys wow I mean you're always having saying to me like you've gone old school 90s and you've done exactly the I same have. today I have so I've stepped away from pop music and obviously gone to the obvious because I'm so street I've gone to I'm hip-hop. proud of you I'm yeah, proud hip-hop. of you the 90s yeah holds some great musical choices in my opinion so uh, well everything's going back to 90s the wardrobes you know fashion is all about the 90s at the moment I'm looking at potentially investing in a slip skirt I don't know about you but that's that's the way I'm going well again we need to talk about this in next week's episode (laughs) my wardrobe additions yeah well you know it's all about the capsule wardrobe these days so you're saying on Instagram that's what I'm keeping an eye out for but yeah, so go get yourself some uh, Beastie Boys. Relive those moments. Uh, intergalactic. Love it. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And remember, CBBs, you've got this. Mm-hmm.